MSW Media. Hi, everybody. Today's show is brought to you by my favorite daily nutritional drink, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we thank them for their support. And thanks to Dame for supporting the Daily Beans and for helping me relax. Get 10% off your first order at dameproducts.com when you use promo code dailybeans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, April 15th, 2022. Today, a massive multi-count indictment of Russian lawmakers is unsealed in the Southern District of New York. Ron DeSantis signs an anti-abortion bill in Florida. The January 6th panel says it will hear about crimes not yet known to the public. And Iowa loses its first-in-the-nation status for Democratic primaries. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. Happy Friday. Hi, G. Happy Friday and happy not tax day because we have till Monday. <laughs> Unless you filed an extension like I did. So I have till September. I did too. <laughs> I paid my taxes, but I still filed an extension. I know. If they made taxes due in September, I would file an extension until the next April. It's like, oh my God. Uh, but I will pay them. I pay them every year. So big show today, a lot of news. And uh, of course, we're going to have the good news later on in the show. So that's exciting. And uh, gosh, it was a relatively, relatively slow news day. It was, but the, the stories that we have are good. I mean, they're, you know what I mean? It's big stories. And then, of course, I also want to just say that I think it's now been confirmed that the Russian ship Moscow has sunk. It's- <laughs> While it was being towed. Whoopsie. Yeah, although I don't know if I believe that. Yeah. Because <laughs> they said it was being towed in a storm and there's like pictures of it. It's a beautiful sunny day. Totally. I saw the pictures. And I was like, is there a storm or is it just inside your country? And then somebody put it being towed by a Ukrainian tractor, which I thought was <laughs> really That is very great. funny. I Photoshop is sometimes a blessing. But yeah, there's lots more missiles now since that happened, I think. And now, of course, CIA, head of the CIA is warning that he could, you know, an unhinged Putin could could lose nukes. And I'm like, well, yeah, we kind of already knew that. Always a risk. Always been a risk. And, you know, I'm like, what do you think? He follows rules? He doesn't follow rules. That guy is batshit. And, uh, or guano, whatever you want to say. And uh, it's, you know, it could escalate the situation pretty rapidly. And of course, our agencies have not yet confirmed whether or not chemical weapons were used as was reported on the ground by Ukrainians the other day. So we'll see what happens. I do have to wonder if Putin ran into the office and was like, they shunk my battleship. (laughs) You know, because I feel like that's the only time you could ever actually say that. Yeah. And they, and they did and good. So I'm happy about that. I'm not happy about potential escalations and more danger. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. All right. So on top of the news, we also today have Brad Jenkins joining us. He is the president of the Asian American Pacific Islander Victory Fund, AAPI Victory Fund. And that'll be a good discussion. And then, of course, we'll have the good news. But before we do all that, we got to hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Big indictment went down in the Southern District of New York today. And before I tell you about it, I want to remind you 
that the Southern District of New York is currently investigating Rudy Giuliani for violations of the Foreign Agents Registration Act for his dealings in Ukraine to dig up dirt on Joe and Hunter Biden and his work to oust Masha Yovanovitch, former ambassador to Ukraine, before she testified in the first impeachment hearing. We also know that the Southern District of New York just got most of the Rudy evidence from the special master, Barbara Jones. And there's rumors out there that Rudy has helped the Southern District unlock his phones in recent weeks. But uh, let's talk about this indictment really quick. It's three Russians. One is a member of Duma. That's the Russian legislature. And the other two are staffers. The indictment is for visa fraud, sanctions violations and VERA violations, but not what we think of as normal failing to register as a foreign agent. but. 951, 18 U.S. Code 951, which is what we call espionage light. It's what Tom Barrick was indicted for. Ah. Yeah. But we, you know, generally we just lump those all under something called a FARA investigation. But I, I want I need to make that distinction because I don't want people to think it's FARA how we as we think of FARA. And I'm going to go over this indictment in detail on this Sunday's Mueller She Wrote podcast. But some highlights. These Russians conspired with an American citizen to gain access to two U.S. Congress people and one U.S. businessman to help spread Russian propaganda about Russia's annexation of Crimea and to scrub the Russian-backed prime minister of Crimea, meaning like, you know, they had their own little prime minister for Crimea, even though it's not Russia's and they annexed it. And they were going to have a big party for him and a fundraiser. And this businessman, this U.S. businessman wrote a whole speech and the citizen, the well-connected citizen, put these guys in touch with congressmen and invited them to come. The congressperson ultimately declined. The Russians also committed visa fraud by lying on their applications for visas, saying they wanted to come to the United States to meet these, you know, high up political figures that they were going to get connected with this, you know, this American citizen that was had all these political connections. And they said on their applications they were traveling separately. And that was a lie. They used that well-connected U.S. citizen as a reference. They put that person on their application, listed them as a friend. And they didn't list him as a representative to conceal the fact they were working on behalf of Russia without having registered as a foreign agent. And that's regular FARA, right, for this American citizen. So do we know any well-connected U.S. citizens with access to politicians that want to smear Ukraine and is currently being investigated for failure to register as a foreign agent that may or may not have hung out at one of the defendant's hotels in Ukraine in 2019? Yes, yes, we do. And he's probably shitting his face right now unless he's cooperating. So now my question becomes, is Rudy actually cooperating, right? Or will he be indicted for this? And I don't know if if this is Rudy. It could be somebody we've never heard of. I just want to make that clear. But it is somebody well-connected with high political figures. And this is out of the Southern District of New York, and it's a FARA thing, and, you know, different between 951 and 611. But it's still, it's like, he's got to be involved somehow. I'm just not sure. But for a more in-depth analysis, you can join me Sunday on Mueller, she wrote. Thank you so much, A.G., All right. This next story, obviously horrifying. Florida Governor Ron Disaster signed into law on Thursday a Mississippi-style anti-abortion measure that bans the procedure after 15 weeks of pregnancy without exemptions for rape, incest, or human trafficking. The bill, which goes into effect July 1st, does allow exemptions in cases where a pregnancy is serious risk to the mother or a fatal fetal abnormality is detected if two physicians confirm the diagnosis in writing two you know, how invasive that is for the woman. Now, the bill makes Florida the latest Republican-led state to advance a 15-week abortion ban bill. The session, just the session, additionally, the Kentucky legislature on Wednesday overrode Democratic Governor Andy Bashir's veto of a broad abortion bill that bans most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. And in Oklahoma, Republican Governor Kevin Stitt on Tuesday 
signed a bill into law that makes performing an abortion illegal in the state, with an exemption only in the case of a medical emergency. Now, the U.S. court appears poised to uphold the Mississippi law that bars abortion after 15 weeks. Now, the fate of Roe v. Wade, the landmark 1973 Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion nationwide, that also hangs in the balance. We've talked about this. We were not overreacting in 2016. Previously, Florida had allowed abortion through the second trimester of pregnancy, making it one of the most permissive states for abortion in the Southeast. Abortion advocates said many women from neighboring states often traveled to Florida for the procedure, meaning changes to the Florida law could be felt all throughout that region. According to U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Florida reported 71,914 abortions in 2019, or 18.5 per 1,000 women, and that is the third highest rate in the country. The signing of the bill comes days after a Tallahassee Circuit Court judge ruled that Florida can require a 24-hour waiting period to get an abortion, ending a seven-year legal battle over another contentious anti-abortion measure. That's so... Ugh, that just They're copy and pasting the shit, so just know we're going to have these. They're going to get sued. It's going to, you know, until there's a decision from the Supreme Court. But yeah, this is a horrifying time for women, the LGBTQ community, our trans community, and our non-binary community. Any marginalized community in this country right now. If you're not a straight, white, cis man, you seem to be under attack for generations, as it may be. Yep. Absolutely horrifying. Next up, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to talk about the 1-6 committee. Jamie Raskin, who I just love, and we know is a member of the House Select Committee investigating January 6th, expects crimes that have not yet been alleged to be in the committee's report. So, again, crimes that have not yet been alleged to be in the committee's report. Committee members are hopeful that the hearings will occur in May, but that's not likely. Probably June. Then that's what Raskin told The Washington Post on Wednesday. He said May or June, but it it's, looks like June. They still have like 80 people left to depose. They're doing three a day. That puts it into like the third week of June. Just, I mean, just time, you know. It just takes time. And an interim report concluding their findings is expected in the summer. Also, Stephen Miller testified before the committee today. He's one of the co-conspirators that pressed states to overturn their results and submit false slates of electors. He uh, wasn't going to participate, and then he did. And Judge Reggie Walton, the guy who asked prosecutors if they considered treason in the Flynn case, went off during a January 6th defendant's verdict today. The defendant, Dustin Thompson, is the third traitor found guilty by a jury. That's three for three for the DOJ and jury trials. He was found guilty on all six counts, including 1512C2, obstructing an official proceeding. And his defense was Donald made me do it. Now, that can be used against Donald, but it can't be used to defend this guy. Right. DOJ told the jurors that even though Donald is culpable, he's not on trial today. Thompson needs to be held responsible for his own actions. After the verdict, Reggie Walton dug into Donald. The judge said our democracy is in trouble because, unfortunately, we have charlatans like our former president who doesn't, in my view, really care about democracy, but only about power. Boom. And even though the DOJ was okay with Thompson being released pending his sentencing hearing in July, Walton said, fuck no, dude, you're going to jail, detained, (laughs) pending the July sentencing. And the government didn't ask for that. I love this next sentence. <laughs> he basically is like, whether he's in jail now or jail later, dude's going to jail, right? So his conduct, in my view, is reprehensible, the judge said. And he did say something along the lines of he's going to serve time, whether it's now or later. Walton, by the way, appointed by Reagan in the 80s and George W. Bush 
to his position now in the 90s. So he's not uh, some sort of liberal activist judge. Right. Thank you, A.G. All right. This is an interesting story. Iowa Democrats are no longer guaranteed a place at the front of the presidential nominating calendar after a panel of Democratic National Committee members voted Wednesday to effectively strip them of their coveted first-in-the-nation status. Now, the DNC's rules and bylaws committee voted to adopt a plan that will require Iowa Democrats to proactively make the case that they should be reinstated to their long-held position. Iowa, New Hampshire, Nevada, and South Carolina, they currently have waivers from the National Party to hold their nominating contests before the rest of the country. Now, the plan removes all four states from that early voting window and requires them along with any others that want to hold early contests to apply for a new waiver. The committee will evaluate those applications and restructure the early nominating window in a way that members say will be more reflective of the modern party and its current values. Now, those values, which are outlined in the resolution adopted Wednesday, they include a state's diversity, its general election competitiveness, and the feasibility of holding an early contest. Iowa's likelihood of being reinstated under that criteria appears tenuous, though Iowa party officials say they have a plan to make their pitch. And this is a quote, Iowa will absolutely be applying to be the early window, and we look forward to enthusiastically making our case. And that's from the Iowa Democratic Party chair, Ross Wilburn. That's what he said in a statement. He went on to say, the Iowa Democratic Party will also be engaging with numerous stakeholders all over Iowa to explore substantive changes to the caucuses that would make them more straightforward, transparent, and accessible, addressing concerns that some members of the DNC rules and bylaws committee have expressed. The committee briefly discussed making it clear in the language that it would favor primaries over caucuses, but ultimately decided against it. Now, Iowa's Democratic caucuses that drew intense criticism in 2020 when the party could not declare a winner among deep concerns about the accuracy of its results. Now, there have been concerns in past years about fairness and transparency because the Democratic caucuses use an arcane and intricate system of awarding state delegate equivalents to determine a winner rather than using a simple tally of votes. What a fucking concept. They all have to show up in a gym. They all have to stand in crowds under signs. And then there's if there's ties, they draw names from hats. It's it is the weird. weird. It, they, then there's rock, paper, scissors. I mean, there's not, but you would think that's <laughs> what's coming next. Off. There's a dance off. <laughs> <laughs> the DNC has formally been pushing states away from caucuses since the adoption of a report from the Unity Reform Commission. That was after this 2016 election. The committee will announce its decision within six weeks of the application deadline, and it has scheduled meetings July 8th and 9th and July 13th through the 15th to make its final decisions. Now, that means Iowa will likely know its fate by the middle of July, though it may not be sealed until the final vote of the full DNC, which is scheduled to meet in late summer or early fall, AG. Yeah, I can just see. All right. It looks like Marianne Williamson's delegates do not have enough to continue. And per the results of the cha-cha, you must now move to a different section of the gym. For the Macarena. Under a different <laughs> sign for the chicken dance or whatever the fuck white people do. <laughs> And you know what, though, to be serious, and and this was a serious concern for me then is because you have to physically be there. A lot of people can't. It's it's very discriminatory, honestly. Absolutely. All right. We are going to be right back with Brad Jenkins. Everybody stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's AG for The Daily Beans. And today's show is brought to you by Athletic Greens. They specialize in convenient daily nutrition. 
When life gets hectic, it can be hard to eat healthy and obtain the nutrients we need each day. But fortunately, Athletic Greens can help. A delicious scoop of AG1 from Athletic Greens provides complete daily nutrition. AG1 contains multivitamins, multiminerals, a probiotic, a green superfood blend, 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food ingredients, just in one single delicious scoop. By taking AG1 first thing in the morning, I feel energized and productive all throughout the day, and I'm filling those gaps in my nutrition because I intermittently fast, I'm perimenopausal, I'm paleo, I have a hectic schedule. So I do have a lot of gaps and, and that scoop of AG1 fills it. It's convenient and it's an easy habit to start. And the bioavailable ingredients in AG1 provide comprehensive nutrition that's an ideal alternative to multiple pills and supplements. Adaptable to a variety of lifestyles, including keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, and gluten-free. It contains less than one gram of sugar. It's free from GMOs, chemicals, or other artificial ingredients. And like I said, AG1 tastes delicious. And I love that Athletic Greens keeps their research current. AG1 has been improved 53 times in the last decade as a result of the latest research. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free immune-supporting one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit athleticgreens.com dailybeans today. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com dailybeans to take control of your health and give AG1 a try. And today's show is also brought to you by All Form, the best place to buy amazing furniture. They make beautiful tailored furniture based on your specifications and they deliver it directly to your home for free. With All Form, you can design your own luxury furniture at a fraction of the cost and customize it to fit your personal lifestyle. I chose a three-seater sofa in whiskey-colored leather with a walnut-leg finish to match my mid-century modern vibe. And there's a chaise lounge at the end. It's so comfy and it looks amazing. And it fits perfectly with the decor in my room. Orders are shipped and they arrive fast in just five to seven days. And assembling is easy without tools. And you can always start small and add more seats if you need them, from armchairs and love seats to eight-seat sectionals. Best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That's more than three months, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty, literally forever. So to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans. And Allform is offering 20% off all orders for listeners at allform.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Honored to be joined today by my friend, who is the acting president of the AAPI Victory Fund. Please welcome Brad Jenkins. Hi, Brad. Hey, Allison. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you very much. And I'm so glad to be talking to you today, especially with the <laughs> looming midterms coming up and also about the AAPI Victory Fund. Can you tell us a little bit about how you became acting president and what the mission of the Victory Fund is? Yeah, thanks, Allison. We, um, the Victory Fund is one of a handful. There are not as many compared to other communities, handful of political action committees out there that are solely focused on engaging and turning out the Asian American vote. We are the fastest growing demographic in the country, but you would be surprised to hear that. I think just in the lack of investment and focus that not only the Democratic Party, not to put them on blast, but you know, state Democratic parties, campaigns, i.e. super PACs, there's all of this money that's spent on engaging the electorate and the Asian American community. We can't even get a poll, let alone, <laughs> let alone actual, actual investment in one, figuring out where our community is, who we are, and then two, getting us to the polls. So that's our work this cycle. It's, it's really, really important work. I think all of the races that you guys talk about day to day, the importance of keeping that Democratic majority, the importance of beating back Mitch McConnell and all of these crazies, it really will be in the hands of these slim margins and the Asian American vote. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that that's why sometimes or at least in certain circumstances, 
that local focus is so important. And how does the AAPI Victory Fund sort of work within local communities? Sure. And not just with the AAPI population, but other communities of color to ensure that you're not blocked from the ballot? Yeah, it's a long, it's a long storied history, to be honest. I think that the one thing I'll say, you know, I cut my teeth working for Barack Obama. I say that now. I'm like an old person now, Alice. And I say that <laughs> I used to be able to say that and people would think that I was still young and cool. And I say that now and I feel like an old person. But, um, you know, we saw historic turnout. We saw historic upticks in communities of color when Obama ran in 2008. And since then, we've seen, you know, serious drop off among all communities, but in particular Asian Americans. And it wasn't until this past cycle in 2020 that we saw historic turnout among our community. And I think it honestly was the attack on all of our communities, right? I mean, I I think that that's the one thing that uh, uh, I don't even know what you want to call our former president, you know, racist racist in chief or or white supremacist in chief is that it really did, it really did unite all of our communities. And so what we're doing this year, I mean, beyond just, in principle, right, beyond just like morally we're, we're united, is we actually came together with two of the biggest other minority PACs, the Collective PAC, which is the African-American PAC, and Latino Victory Fund. Mm-hmm. And we're actually working together in the states, to your point, in states like Georgia, where, you know, voter suppression, I mean, God bless Stacey Abrams. I know, right? I feel like she should, we should just give her a Nobel Peace Prize or, or something, and our future governor, but there, there was so much voter suppression in a state like Georgia, but the voter suppression was not just for African-Americans. It was Asian-Americans as well. There are so many Asian-Americans that were purged off of those, those voter rolls. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these communities, right, counties and um, that we need to turn out, these are communities where Asian-Americans and African-Americans are living uh, on the same blocks and on the same streets. So it's exciting. We're, we're doing a lot of work on data. I can probably spend way too much time just talking about. I was going to ask because yeah. I, that was my next question. I even wrote it down. What, what can be done about this data desert that exists within the, you know, within Asian American voters? I mean, it's like you had brought it up in the very first question when you were talking yeah. about what the Victory Fund does. How do you even go about correcting the no data problem? The no data problem, it's funny, Tom Bonnier at Target Smart's a friend, and he's working with us on this issue. This is not new, right? I mean, the Democratic Party and state Democratic parties have known this for over a decade. After every single election, people like me, right, people who care about our communities say, where is the investment, right? Where is the investment in actually identifying nation of origin actually identifying languages spoken in households. There's just no will, to be honest. I mean, the money's there. We see the astronomical sums of money that are spent on these campaigns, but the the focus isn't there. And so this year, for the first time, these three PACs, right, Collective, Latino Victory, and API Victory Fund are coming together to, to start to fix this problem. In Georgia, in the Senate runoff, we identified 300,000 African-Americans who were coded incorrectly. These were actually Asian-Americans that were coded as African-American in that Georgia Senate runoff. And again, Allison, like your listeners probably know this, but it does no good when we're doing targeting, right? When we're 
getting mailers or in-language ads or people knocking doors trying to reach certain communities if they're wrong, if it's the wrong, <laughs> if it's the wrong community and if it's the wrong voter. So we're working with Target Smart, working with some, again, incredible partners that have been doing this for many years. We're not going to be able to solve the national problem, but we are focusing on the states that are going to matter, right? The states that will matter for those 52 senators that we need. So Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, county by county, we're going to we're going to clean up this voter roll. I like how you said 52. Nice. Well placed. Another question here for you, because, though you know, I would like an update. And this is sort of a pivot. I want to talk about a different subject now, which is violence against the AAPI community, especially in the wake of the racist weaponization of of COVID-19 by the last administration, which is lingering. And I was wondering if it's getting better or worse. Has it plateaued? Have we heard anything? It seemed like it seemed like it was getting considerable attention and then sort of dropped off the radar. Is there a reason for that? It's there, there's so much to unpack, Allison. I mean, you, you put your you nailed the, you know, you nailed it with when Trump was calling it Kung flu and Wuhan virus and weaponizing. Again, it's one thing for, you know, a MAGA random congressperson in some district in Georgia. It's quite another thing when it's the president of the United States who's weaponizing his words against an entire community. We knew that there was going to be outcomes, right? I mean, the United Nations, the UN warned the world that there was going to be negative outcomes of of Trump doing this. And as I'm sure your listeners know, there was a record level of violence that started when Trump was in office, and it just has continued to rise. Organizations have been born out of this hate, organizations like Stop AAPI Hate, organizations like the Asian American Foundation, really because this is the first time that the Asian American community has been centered in this kind of violence. We've seen murders. Mm. In fact, the Atlanta spa shooting. Yeah. The sad news is that the violence has continued. I'm sure your listeners in New York have seen just this past week another murder. Yeah. The challenge is that, as we know, violence is not easily solved, right? The, the, the outcomes of violence are a lot of things, right? Or I should say that the reasons for violence are, yes, racism and this weaponization of, of racism, but it's also high level, high concentrations of poverty. It's lack of health care. It's lack of, you know, there, so much of this has been born out of sort of the Trump I would call it the, the, the Trump lack of action when it came to, to COVID. So the, the work on this is, it's all of the above. I think that for the Victory Fund, we're very much focused on, you know, our community has been, speaking of being centered, our community, the amount of attention and the amount of resources that's going into beating back this violence is historic, but we need to channel all of this energy to win elections. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a political animal, so I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm just going to like put it put it very plainly, like at the end of the day, you know, we have to be fighting all of these things. We have to be fighting for a more living wage. We have to be fighting for better representation. We have to be fighting for, you know, some equity in these cities where a lot of this these violent acts are happening. It's exciting, to be honest, like we're 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 seeing even just within the past few months, a number of people who have never really been engaged in political action before get engaged. So it's, you know, there's a lot of work being done on tracking, right? The ADL, which I'm 
you know, again, uh, Anti-Defamation League, which has been doing work on tracking extremism and, and violence, has been really a guru and a, a beacon for, for the Asian American Foundation. And so that work continues. But as for like an everyday citizen on how, if you are an Asian American seeing this, seeing this happening in your community, I just urge you to your point, there are so many incredible candidates in your community that are Asian American that need your help. Yeah. Right. And that's one way that we can beat back this discrimination. Yeah. And that's what I was going to bring up too. And it, you just, you're always a step ahead of me. I just wrote down uh, local elections and, you know, more diverse people, you know, running for these positions because that's kind of where it starts. And I was going to ask about that, but you just answered that. But nationally, speaking of representation, I wanted to ask you maybe one of the ways that at least the Biden administration is sort of countering this is their nominations for political appointees, putting putting folks from marginalized communities in positions of, of power, trusted positions of power. And I was wondering what you thought so far of the job that the administration is doing of making a representative government. I think, look, I think President Biden, first on the, to give them credit, the number of appointments, President Biden is crushing it when it comes to judiciary appointments, right? The number of judges that he's been able to confirm, appoint and confirm who are from communities of color in his first year, it's like better than any president in our, in our recent time. So give him a shout out for that. But as it relates to the Asian American community, there's a long way to go. There's not a single cabinet member who's Asian American. Obviously we have some, you know, key administration officials at the white house and across government agencies, but they could always do better, mm-hmm. to be honest. A lot of this does, look, we, we hear about this a lot. I wear two hats because I'm Asian American and African American. So I, I get to hear, <laughs> I get to hear this excuse for two different <laughs> communities a lot, <laughs> which is like, mm-hmm. well, there's no pipeline, right? There's no people who are qualified. And so oh, therefore, that's the dumbest. We can't give folks these, these opportunities. And I, I just, I just completely disagree. Mm-hmm. I think that there are so many qualified Asian Americans across so many different sectors of our country. The the problem is there's no real entry points and there's no real motivation to find them. They're out there. Mm-hmm. And so again, I hope that the administration does better. I think that I think that and I know that they can do better. They just did their swearing-ins and appointments for the White House Commission on Asian Americans, which was great. And they've done a lot to expand sort of that purview and, and their mandate. But the fact that we don't have a single Asian American cabinet member is pretty embarrassing. I'll just say it. it no, is. No, offense, it is. no shots, no shots to my friends in the in the Biden White House. <laughs> no, but it is. But I think I think that that's a product of ignoring an entire block of voters, honestly. Yes. And and that's where I think that, again, that 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 the, the data desert you brought up plays a role in that. And that should fall on the administration and the governments uh, locally and, and nationally to ensure that there are representatives. Do you, do you know what I mean? I just feel I like I completely agree. I, like, I completely agree. I mean, one, there's 23 million Asian Americans, right? We're the fastest growing demo in the country. I think we forget this. I mean, given that number, there's only 0.9% of Asian Americans who hold elected office across the country. And a lot of that, look, there are a lot of reasons for that. I think some of it is cultural or some of it is, you know, again, I think that it's the immigrant experience being in America where 
at least I'll speak for myself. My parents just wanted me to like, keep my head down, you know, <laughs> not bitch and moan. I'm not sure if you can say bitch on your pod and, and just go along, go along with the program. But I think that this next generation of Asian Americans are very different. There was a mm-hmm. poll last cycle. I mean, Asian Americans are, are more progressive than virtually any community, although you would not think that, right? You would not think that, you know, 88% of young Asian Americans, 18 to 34, are not only pro-Black Lives Matter, but they feel they're in solidarity with BLM. But you don't see that, right? You're, it's very rare that you even get a crosstab for Asian Americans when we do a national poll. So that's, again, that's why it's so important for organizations like the Victory Fund to exist, because we sort of can't wait for, uh, <laughs> we can't wait for, for uh, white male producers at uh, news organizations to, to realize, oh, wait a second, Asian Americans represent 11% of the electorate in Nevada, right? You would never think that. You would think that Nevada is just Latinx and just white. Asian Americans are more than the margin of victory in a state like Nevada. And you never hear about our community in Nevada. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're going to cause a little bit of hell, Allison. We're going to get fired up with, again, with our African-American and Latinx brothers and sisters and, and do this collectively. Because the one thing I will say, and I agree with a lot of the folks that have been on your pod re- recently, which is you know, this idea that we're going to find this like mythical hillbilly elegy, white exurban mom that's going to solve the, you know, the, the, the election is just, it's a myth. Like the only way that we are going to win and we're going to keep our majority is if communities of color vote. Yeah. Resoundingly. The, the fact that the, the investment is not there is, is very clear. So we're going to make, make the case and continue to do it. Yeah. Make the case, make the noise. Eighty eight percent. That's that's incredible. And that's a such a huge shift from from previous generations. And that's and that's honestly why my hope lies with young people. The youngs will save us as a, as an old. I call myself an old now. Yep, we're the olds. We're the olds. The, the, the youngs will save us. And, and the other thing, you know, speaking of African-American, Asian-American solidarity, it's, you know, I think that right-wing misinformation agents and the internet and viral videos have, and Trump himself, have done everything that they can to divide our communities, right? I think a lot of these videos that you see of this violence, a lot of it is, again, you see the, you see the violence, you're saying, oh, this is just African-Americans that are preying on Asian-Americans, which is just not the case, statistically. The older generation have fall, fallen prey to that, right? The old, older Asian American generation have. And, you know, again, some of the research and data that we see, it bears that out. There's very real tension between these communities. But this newer generation, the youngs will save us. I mean, they know that all of this is an outcome of white supremacy. And the only way that we win is if we win together. So it's been very exciting to see. And I hope, you know, again, thanks to the Daily Beans podcast for, for giving us a little bit of shine here. But we're hoping that we get a little bit more of the ink <laughs> this cycle, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and speaking of that, can you can you tell people where they can follow and support the Victory Fund? Yeah, API Victory Fund on all the socials. I'm at Brad Jenkins, although all of my socials are just like photos of my children and my dog. So uh, that probably won't be helpful. But um. <laughs> 
no, you don't, you don't understand the audience here. That's extremely <laughs> helpful. Go there, look at the dog, and then go to API Victory Fund. Go to API Victory Fund. We've already endorsed a slate of candidates. There's, oh, excellent. again, there's over 300 candidate, Asian American candidates running right now all across the country. And, you know, exactly what Allison said, it's not just these big federal or statewide races, it's local races, man. It's like city council, it's school board, all of this stuff matters. So check us out, donate. And uh, yeah, let's select some Democrats, y'all. Yes. Thank you, Brad. It's been very educational. Uh, I appreciate your time. And uh, we will we will catch up before the midterms, I promise. And everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hi, everybody. It's AG for the Beans. And today's show is sponsored by Dame. Discover your pleasure with Dame's thoughtfully engineered toys. Dame offers discreet shipping, hassle-free returns, and lots of fun. There are some amazing Dame toys, including flexible vibrators called Palm. I love this little guy. It fits in your hand and it bends to suit your needs while contouring to the shape of your body. Palm is a great way to de-stress, featuring five different patterns and five different intensities. It's soft and super bendy. And one of my favorite things about Palm is that it's totally waterproof, so you can use it anywhere. Named one of the most innovative wellness companies in 2020, Dame has thousands of five-star reviews. Go to dameproducts.com and check out their wide selection of incredible toys. Shop for couples or get a great gift for the number one person in your life, you. Dame has something for everyone. And if you can't decide, just take their quick online quiz. They have an online quiz to point you in the right direction. Find the vibe you've been looking for for dameproducts.com. Self-care has never been this fun. Get 10% off your first order at dameproducts.com when you use promo code DAILYBEANS. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. And if you have any good news or confessions or corrections or anything you need to send us, please do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact and help us get our ratings numbers back up because we lost, they just disappeared and our podcast disappeared from feeds. I'm still trying to figure it out. Apple will say, we didn't do anything wrong. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating. And if you, if the show isn't showing up, you might not be listening to this, but if it's not, unsubscribe and resubscribe and it should fix the problem. All right. First up, Dana from Grizabella, pronouns she and her. Dear AG, not meant to correct you, just a handy mnemonic tool for pronunciation. The magical Mr. Mistopheles rhymes with McLotsafles. All right. Got it. Good to know. Thank you. And we all say, oh, well, I never, there was ever a cat so clever as magical Mr. Mistopheles. And then, of course, there's a link to Cats Mr. Mistopheles original Broadway cast. <laughs> there you have it. Hmm. Oh, you want me to take this one? That was so short. Okay. I'll jump into this. This is from Ryan from Newfoundland. Pronouns he and him. Good day, Daily Beans crew. I just wanted to share some good news with all since the pandemic is finally winding down and we're starting to get back to normal. Where do you live, sir? (laughs) Fingers crossed and knock on wood. That means the local sci-fi fantasy convention that I helped plan is finally coming back after three-year hiatus. Sci-fi on the Rock in St. John's. Newfoundland is happening on June 24th through the 26th, and I couldn't be happier. We're super busy on the planning committee, but the fan groups and people here can't wait to get back together with all of our cosplay, gaming, and events. It's going to be a time. On another note, you mention makers all the time, and I thought you would like to know that there are geeky makers as well. All of the cosplays, costume play for those of you out there, 
You see in the attached photo are handmade by our group. I'm in the Deadpool suit giving the peace sign. We have an amazing group that cosplays at children's events, hospitals, conventions, and other things where we always get an amazing reaction. We're finally getting back to doing these things, and I can't wait to start seeing all of the families attending again. I've even built lightsabers and other props for people. The one in the photo was a custom build for someone who really wanted a rainbow lightsaber for her Jedi cosplay. As thanks for everything you do, I've attached my pet tax of my mutt Nova trying to be a cat on the back of the couch and my little shadow kitty Spook who took over the crate and kicked out Nova. <laughs> Lots of love to you and all the beans. Here's to hoping the big orange gets his just desserts. P.S. Pronounce Newfoundland like understand. Oh, to say a true Newfoundlander. Newfoundland. Understand. Newfoundland. Yeah, my apologies. So Newfoundland instead of Newfoundland. Newfoundland. So please accept my apologies. And now I know. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, let's see this. All these cosplays are amazing. Dang. Can you make me a Power Girl outfit? Seriously. Oh, I love the rainbow lightsaber. These are awesome. <laughs> the dog that got kicked out of the crate. And oh, on the couch. my God. <laughs> on the back. Fine. You can just sit in my crate. I'm going to sit in the back of the couch like you would. I'm going to sit where you sit and you sit where I sit. So Let's good. freak him out. So good. so good. I think I feel like that was that was a conspiracy. I think they're both in on it. Thank you for that. That's amazing. Those costumes are beautiful. I've got some very good friends here that run Comic-Con in San Diego. So when you come out, let us know. Next up from Mary, pronouns they, she. Hey, fabulous. Uh, Fabike? Oh, said Fabacy, a scientific name for a bean family of plants. Oh, Fabacy. Oh, that's fantastic. It's fabulous, actually. The Fabacy, the fabulous Fabacy. I'm writing in with some follow-up good news and a shit kid say story. I wrote in a few months ago with the good news that I finished my graduate school apps that I've been working on for ages. Time goes by and to my wonder, and I get accepted to all five schools I applied to. (laughs) This was an especially empowering time for me because back in 2018, I applied for graduate school in art and been rejected by the same number of schools. After visits and deliberation, my partner and I decided that we will be moving to Charlottesville, Virginia, and I'll be attending UVA for their Master's in Landscape Architecture program. Awesome. We're so excited to go on this new adventure as a little queer family. See pet tax of Jet embodying the vibes that I aspire to. And thanks for putting in so much work and bringing us the best swear-filled news in the business. Nice. Oh, looking and enjoying the sunshine. The sunshine doggo. Oh, oh, I already saw a sentence in this. This is awesome. This is from Melissa W. Pronounced she and her. Saw my surgeon on Wednesday morning in the breast health clinic. She said, I am cancer free. They did biopsies on my breast tissue. I had a mastectomy mastectomy on my left breast, and there was very little cancer left in my breast, and it hadn't spread to my muscles or my chest area. Also, they looked at my lymph node that was uh, tested in September and found that it was now free of cancer. Now I just have radiation to get rid of anything that could potentially grow, surgery to take out the skin expander, and put in my breast prosthesis. Attached as a photo of flowers, I received Melissa W. Congratulations. And you know what's so funny? Mm. Someone sent me a birthday package. It's actually a very cool, like, bourbon kit, I guess you will, to make smoked uh, old fashions. And there's a Mm -hmm. butterfly that looks exactly like this in a package. And I have it up on my whiteboard. Oh, look. Yep, there. Oh, that's beautiful. Monarchs. Those are beautiful flowers. And congratulations. Oh, what a load off. All right, next up from Jen K, pronouns she and her. Good news, we adopted a two-year-old rescue dog three weeks ago 
Her name is Juniper, and I'll let you what the mutt, but I don't really have the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Juni and I bonded so quickly. It was love at first sight. She's a massive cuddle bug, loyal, an amazing hiking partner, just all around dream dog. She's starting to fill a piece of my heart that I lost when my Rue passed away. And she's reminding me that while my losses have seemed overwhelming at times, life does go on. And there are many trails to explore and adventures to be had. Oh. This looks like a little bit of a shagel. I think there's shepherd and beagle in this baby. Yes. What a beautiful baby. And of course, chow chow. <laughs> Always. All right. This is from Brooke Pronoun, she and her. Good news. I'm a religion professor at a small liberal arts college in Sci, <sighs> West Virginia. My wonderful colleagues and I brought a regional rep from Planned Parenthood to campus to discuss the dire state of reproductive rights in our state and country. We're working so hard to get our students active and engaged, and we think we inspired a number of them. That's awesome. Awesome. Misheard lyrics. Growing up in the 80s with three bros, we were a virtual font of misheard lyrics. But I submit the best from my brother Ross to our Palmers, Robert Palmers, Addicted to Love. Spiders wear... Go ahead, sing it. (laughs) Spiders wear bracelets, you're addicted to love. That's funny. Spiders wear bracelets. I love it. That was, I mean, such a good song. All right. For pet tags, here is my puppy. Um, Let's see. Enkidu? Enkidu? Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. Wild man, best friend. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Look at his little standing up like a person. Oh, so good. And a sweater. What an adorable baby. Indeed. Spiders wear bracelets. Now I got it in my head. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thanks for these submissions. I really appreciate this. Again, I'm serious about that Power Girl outfit. I've lost mine somewhere over the years, maybe in the divorce. Oh my God. Uh, but be awesome. If you, if you have anything you want to send in to us for the good news segment, you can do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. I'll be back in your ears on Sunday with Muller, she wrote, deep dive into that indictment. By the way, Brandon Van Grack followed me on Twitter today. And so I'm geeking out. If you don't know who that is, <laughs> he worked on he worked on the Mueller probe and then and then started a, a new Farah unit in uh, the Department of Justice and ran that for a few months. And now I think he's doing uh, private work stuff. But uh, Van Grack. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff so I good. geek out on. Love yeah, it. I so. love it. And then uh, we'll be back. Monday. And then, of course, this weekend, right? Tomorrow night, we're going to be... Um, I'm, well, I'm not going to be on stage, but you'll be on stage. Tell them about the show tomorrow. Yeah, I'm San Diego. Um, I believe the show starts at 8 p.m. and it's going to be a great lineup. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to let loose and make some laughs. And it's not Martini's above fourth. I believe the show is almost sold out if it's not sold out, but I'll get to see AG and I know there's going to be some beans crew there. So please do come say hello after the show. You're not imposing. Um, I may be masked up, uh, but just but still, I would love to meet you. Yeah. And um, we're going to bring, I know, my our web designer for Daily Beans for MSW Media is going to be there and her wife and my friend Aaron. We're all going to, it's just going to be so much fun. So Can't wait. to see you there. And uh, until until Monday or until I see you uh, for the book club or um, Muller She Wrote on Sunday, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.
M-S-W-Media.